Second Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7. Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant feared the Lord. Now the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. What should I do for you, Elisha said. Tell me, what do you have in the house, she replied. Tell me, what do you have in the house? So she replied, Your handmaid has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow for yourself vessels from all your neighbors, empty jars, not just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and behind your sons and pour into all the vessels, setting aside what is full. So she left him and shut the door behind her and behind her sons. They kept bringing her the vessels into. Let me start that again. They kept bringing the vessels to her, and she kept pouring. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. But he said to her, There isn't another vessel. So the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God. So he said, Go sell the oil and pay the debts. Pay off your debts. debts. Then you and your son shall live on the rest. Come on, pray with me. God, I just pray that this morning that you will just open up Open up our hearts to hear the word that you have. God, I pray that you will just use me, um, just help me to communicate with the, the things and the visions and the, the plans that you have for the overflow, the, the family of overflow. And I just pray that as I speak that they will listen, that they will fall on good soil. I pray against any distraction. I pray that they'll hear your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Who was challenged last week by Pastor Jimmy? Wasn't that an amazing word? Just, I, be, I believe that's such a timely word. Um, Pastor Jimmy was talking about going out and just his heart is really for the lost and for the, the unsaved. And to, what he was saying about going out and, and seeing signs and wonders and signs and wonders will follow you, follow you wherever you go. And you take on the DNA of who you, who you were born from. And so just a lot of the words that he was just speaking, if you haven't listened to it, just go check out the podcast because it's awesome. Um, but I believe that we as a church, as an overflow family, we've crossed over into a new, a new threshold. We've, we've completed that series, and now we're here. And um, I want to continue on with that challenging word that, that Pastor Jimmy brought, that I believe that we are in a season here at Overflow of Multiplication. Pastor Josh and Leslie, they planted this two years ago, and so they birthed it. And so who has kids here? Or who has nephews or cousins or who's been around babies where you've been woken up in the middle of the night, you have to take care of them, there's a lot of work that goes into it, and, and these guys have done such an incredible job. Let's give a hand to them for just bringing overflow to, to us. And you know they probably had sleepless nights just wondering, okay, God, is this what you wanted us to do? <laughs> Come here to, to Dallas, to Grand Prairie, and to, and to plant this plant this church, but I believe that we passed that season of, of the newborn, and we're going to the, the place of, of rapid change. How many know that if you see a baby, from one day to the next, they can change? Right. One day they're plumper, one day they're like stretched out. You're trying to fit that clothes that fit yesterday, but you can't get that stinking shoe on their foot because it just won't fit, and you're bummed because you only, they only wore it one time, and you're like, ah, oh, dang it. And so I believe that that's what we're going to do, too, here at Overflow. Um, we're entering a new season of maturity. And with that, it's gonna, it's, I'm challenging you, God's calling us to take out on a new level, level of ownership and stewardship and responsibility. And so the, today's message is not 
if you're OCD like me, I kind of like one, two, three different points and like that. That's not going to be this, this morning because I, I really want to just call you to action. I want to challenge you and I want to I see God use this place and use you to, um, to go out and really make a difference in Grand Prairie and to, to make a difference in the community of your, where you're in. Some of you guys are only here for a season because you guys are going to school, but this season is your season and to, to live in the season that you're in is so important. I've... I've tried, um, growing up, I've always thought about, like, okay, you know, I can't wait for this next time. I can't wait for the, this next season of my life. I can't wait till I can drive. I can't wait till I'm in high school. I can't wait till I graduate, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't make a difference. You live in the season that you're in. And once I started, once I learned that principle, I learned that God is going to use you to, to you're going to be more fulfilled instead of thinking about what could be or what has been. And so I just challenge you that. That was not in my notes, but in the scripture that we read, we see it. Um, we see that where there's a problem, there's also, it's a, there's a problem leads to a bridge to provision. This woman had a problem. She was going to lose her sons because back in the day, if you couldn't pay off your debts, your sons would go, or your family members would become slaves or more as hired hands to pay off the debts. And so that, this is a situation that she was facing. She lost her husband, and so Repo Joe or Repo, Repo Juan was about to take her sons and... <laughs> Go put them out in the fields and make them work. So, um, so this is the place that she was at, and this kind of makes me laugh because um, I put there's a little category: babies, puppies, and old ladies. So, people, <laughs> it's gonna make a little gonna be a little strange, right? So you know how people are attracted to babies, like you hold a baby, Nate. Is like a baby. Magnets are attracted. Like you see a baby, and where's Nate? Oh, he's over there with the the kid. That's who he is. Or there's people with like, oh, there's such a cute little dog. I'm like, it's a stray dog. Who cares? It probably has fleas. <laughs> I'm not an animal lover. You can tell that. <laughs> and so, um, for me, my puppy or my baby is old ladies, and I'm. It's it's not creepy. There's um, I promise you that. But back home, there's a, there's a group of widows that, that meet at our church. They're called the Glory Girls. And so they are the cutest thing ever. They, every Thursday morning, you can find them in the prayer center at 9 o'clock. And they're praying. And there's probably a good group of them, like about 10 to 15, between like, you know, 60 years old and like 85, 90 years old. And so I've seen these ladies for such a long time. And just to hear them pray and hear them seek God and there's this one lady I love, Mary Seacrest, and when I'd play on the keyboard, I could see her on that side of the sanctuary, and she, it doesn't matter what song we were playing, it was something modern, something that she probably has no idea what we're singing about, but she is the cutest thing. She just has her hands up like this, and she's just worshiping God, and so when I think of the widow in this story, I think of the Mary Seacrest that, that she lost her husband year, decades ago. And so when the so when Elisha asks, "What do you have in your house?" I can hear her now with a. I can hear her saying this with a, a glimmer of hope and and some faith of like your maid servant has nothing, except for a, a jar of oil. She's like, I have nothing, but there's this jar, and kind of like, kind of anticipating, you know, like. I've seen you provide in the past. Like these old ladies, they have seen moves of God. They've seen people healed. And we cannot discount the, the senior citizens and that wisdom and that strength that they bring to the, to the body of Christ. And so, 
So this is what I picture when, when Elisha says that to, what do you have? And she says, I have, I have this oil. And so he says, go, go and collect jars. Go, get, go send your sons out. And so she acted immediately. You know, she was obedient right away. And that's what we need to do. When God says, what do you have in your hand? And there's so many, so many um, sermons about, like, what do you have in your hand, Moses? And he has a staff. Or what do you have? I have a jar of, a jar of oil. But obedience is a key to, the, to that next step. And so she acted right away. And so she sent her sons out, and they went out. And in the scripture, it says, um, don't just find a couple. She's find, find as many as you can. And so as they kept bringing in, she, um, as a, her sons kept bringing it in, the oil kept pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. And so this is what I believe that God is telling us to do as overflow is that God has brought oil into this place. He's brought the Holy Spirit, and he's brought power, and he's brought healing, and signs and wonders are imparted into you to go out, and we're supposed to go collect those jars of oil. And so sometimes we may go out and collect those people and, and minister to them wherever they're at, at our workplaces, at our, our schools, wherever wherever God leads us. And and as we're there, we're, it's not just the church. How many know that the church isn't just a place where people get saved? The people get saved outside there, and we bring them in. And this is a big celebration of what God is doing throughout the community. And so when you're out there, I'm sure one of the, those guys, the, those sons, they went out and they got some of the jars, and they're dirty. They had to be cleaned up a little bit. They're a little rough around the edges. When we go out, there's going to be people there that they just need some tender, loving care. They need somebody to to administer healing, They had to administer just a deliverance physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, just walk them through things because that's where discipleship happens. It happens daily on a day-to-day basis when you're living life with them. Um, and so they may have started with a few jars, like, you know, her sons go out and grab a couple things, and she fills it up. But as, as she's filling it out and they're seeing the oil just being poured out over and over and over, I can just picture them being like, Shoot, let's get the biggest jar that we can because this is our livelihood and this is what God has provided for us. And so you may, it may start off with like a couple people that you know, like, oh, I think they're, I think they're a Christian, but I'm not sure. You know, just, just pour into them, pour, pour your life into them, and then that will lead to bigger things. And there, people have different capacities, so don't discount the, the small little mason jar from that big giant you know, horse trough or something. I don't know. We're in we're in Texas, and so those are probably everywhere. <laughs> Random story. I um I was house sitting, and they had a horse, and so I'm like, oh, I'll just go out and take some photos of the horse. This has absolutely nothing to do, but <laughs> so I went out to take the horse. I went into the field, but it was a is a wild not a wild horse. It was it was in the the fenced in area, but it was kind of you know shifty. It didn't you couldn't ride it because it. Yeah, it wasn't broken, broken in, whatever. I'm not country. <laughs> Ain't no cowboy. <laughs> and so I went in there, and the horse was far away. And so I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I can get some good shots, like, from my zoom lens. Next thing you know, this horse is, like, starts galloping towards me. And I'm like, oh, heck no. <laughs> like, I had to close the gate already. And so, like, the only thing I could do is just jump inside the trough and, like, the little feeding. Like, it wasn't, like, one of the... Like the wet one, and so I'm like sitting there, and like the horse is like right here staring at me, and so we're Ida. I'm like, how long is this gonna last? Because the sun is setting, and I'm here with the horse, and I don't know how to get out because the owners are gone, and so I, you know, 
just kind of, you know, God may put you in places that you didn't know, and you may be stuck in that trough, but God knows how to get you out of that trough. Um, so, <laughs> so it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how um, you also don't you know you don't notice things until something's pointed out. How many of you have um, wanted a certain car or like wanted something? And you're like, oh, I really want this. And the next thing you know, there's cars everywhere. That certain color, that certain style, and that thing. I um, I noticed here in Texas, we don't have a lot of Priuses. <laughs> we don't. We ha- we have some. And every. T- oh, music. Um, so. When I when I got here, I'm like, oh gosh, there's not very many Priuses. But then I went to California for a friend's wedding. And I saw one, and then next thing you know, I'm like, they are everywhere. But they probably, there's probably just as many here as over there, just, but I just don't notice it as much. And so, like, when you begin to put it on your mind that, like, okay, these people are not just people. These people are, are people that need Jesus. These are people that need an infilling of the Holy Spirit. You're going to see them more and more and more, and it's going to become so apparent to you that you just can't shake it off. And so they're going to be everywhere. And so... Overflow, let's get as many jars as we can in this place. We're, it's not going to do us any good. It's not going to do the kingdom any good to just, just us right here and nothing else. But God wants to fill us up, fill us up in here so we can go out and pour out and then come back and just continually refill and refill and, and grow. And, and we're going to experience growing pains. And it's going to be awesome because that's that just signs that God is doing something and God is moving in, in, this, in this community you walk outside of this door and there's houses, there's families all along this road that, that they're empty. And so it's like, okay, God, how, how do I reach them? How? And this is going to take really seeking God and interceding of, of strategy and things that, and tools that he can use us to, to reach the, the people that we're going to influence in this place. And your life should be an overflowing it should be overflowing so much that you're that that pipeline into their into their lives and to where they are, um, and God is God is more than enough. You look at the in when Jesus fed the five thousand, how many loaves did they or how many baskets full did they come? So we're not going to run out of oil in this place. So don't worry about like oh well if all these people come in then there's not going to be room for me. There's more than enough. God has fed the five thousand and. Um, had extra for that. And so um, you can read later on in Luke chapter 14, there's a story of the master holding a banquet. And everything, everybody he invites doesn't show up. They bailed on him. He's like, those suckers. And so he's like, he told the servants, he's like, go out. He's like, go out and find those that are, that are lame, that are blind, that are, are maimed. Go find the poor and invite them and have them come in. And this is what we needed to do. We need to go out and find those people that are those misfit people. Because how many know that we're all misfits? We're just, we just look differently. We just dress differently. We just talk differently. And so they go out. They, they did it. But when they came back, there was still room for them. There was still more room inside the, the, the dinner. And so the master in verse 23 um, of Luke 14 in chapter 23, he says, The master said to the slaves, Go out through all the fa- um, go out through all the thoroughfares and fence areas and press them to come into my home that, they may, that this house may be filled. And another version says, Go out and compel them to come in. 
so that my house will be filled. God doesn't want an empty house. God wants a house so full. And so sometimes it's going to take us some compelling to, you know, to go out and, and just bring them in. And I'm not going to say we're going to do like, hey, free beer, because, you know, that whole, <laughs> we're going to be packed up in here. And so, well, we can. You know, Nate's starting a ministry. You can, it's called deliverance. We're going to intervene on him. But God wants a full house, so go out and compel them to come in. Do what it takes. Um, <laughs> it's the Jesus wine. Let's let's clarify that. Yeah. Um, how many of you guys on Facebook? It's kind of been trending, or maybe it was just not trending. I'm just a little late on the game. But how many heard the story or watched the video about that that mom that threw the birthday party for the six year old and nobody showed up for the autistic? Right. Did it, anybody? So there's this mom in Florida. She throws a birthday party for her six-year-old son, and they invite 16 of his classmates, and he's so excited for it, and he has autism. And so the day of the party, she's just like, okay, like I really hope people show up. She's like just hoping because nobody RSVP'd. She didn't hear back from anybody, yes or no. And so party comes and nobody shows up and it's heart like heartbreaking and so this um this mom is just goes on to facebook and does a little rant of like how how nobody shows up and next thing you know people get wind of this and they start showing up random people in the community they start showing up to their house and bringing gifts for the boy and just just watching the video and hearing the mom tell the story was just incredible about how the community just came in where where they had invited people but they just brought they brought gifts. They made it a good time, and the I think there was um like the somebody flew over like the police or like somebody. They had a helicopter. They did a flyover of the house, and throughout the week there's like fire trucks and policemen and all this kind of stuff. That they were just celebrating this kid's birthday, and so um, when I heard that story, it, it just reminded me. It first it broke my heart, broke my heart, but then it also reminded me of like that's what we need to be to our community because there's some people out there that they're so lonely and they're so desperate that they've invited people for dinner and nobody showed up, or they just want somebody to invite them to dinner, or want somebody to talk to them. I've, I've worked in places where people will just, you're ringing them up and they are just chatty. They will not stop, but stop and talk. Take that extra 30 seconds, that extra, even if it's five minutes, and talk to them, listen to them, because that's what they need. That's what they're wanting. And there's so much more power sometimes when you're just listening to them instead of talking, because they just need that person person there. And then God may give you a word for them, and he may just be like, you know, I want you to speak prophetically into their life and and bring them to church and, you know, disciple them. And next thing you know, like... You never know what can happen. And so there's so many um, people in this community that need a touch from God. And so Grand Prairie is prime location for, for a move of God, a movement for God to do something. Um, and we're fortunate that we live in the generation that we do because we have such a great heritage of, of people that have gone before us. I, I think of my um, it's our seniors pastor at our church in Tucson, and he he lived in the era where, like, he was seeing, like, not just seeing, like, on TV or something like that, but he saw nuns get filled with the Holy Spirit. 
he was out there and he was seeing healings and he was seeing miracles that he doesn't, you know, like, he's not some like weirdo and just like stuff like that. He's consistent and he used to be in the Navy in the arm or the Navy. And so he's kind of like a gruff guy, but God touched his heart, saved him. And, and we, I have that, I'm lucky because I have that heritage because he's imparted in me. And he, he's, old, he's so old school, he's a kicker. So like when you hear your pastor Al preach, you're like, oh gosh, he's going to start kicking because he gets all excited. And then he's like, Aah! and so we need that kind of fervor and that kind of passion in this place. And God wants to multiply it. There's so much power in the multiplication from the generation to generations to generations. Um, Abraham one, had one son, Isaac. Isaac had two sons. Um, oh, gosh. Go ahead. Jacob and Esau, which is addition, one plus one. So, and then the next thing, Jacob had 12 sons. And that right there is multiplications, guys. That is when multiplied effects, it comes together where you don't just do one thing you don't just add to what we did beforehand, but we are in that stage where God wants to multiply the things that he done, the miracles that he did back in the, the Jesus movement, the charismatic movements, all that is, that's nice, but God wants to do something new now, and so we are in that thing. Um, Jesus had 12 disciples. How many, what, how many people did they impact in the book of Acts because of that multiply, multiplication effect? So God wants to do it again, even with the story of the widow and Elisha, or um, in First Kings 17, Elijah, who pre- preceded Elisha, the, it kind of—it's kind of a weird. Like when I was studying, I'm like, okay, I kept getting confused because I'm like, okay, Elijah has also helped a widow, and like they provided bread and oil, and that that didn't run out. And then Elijah, Elisha did practically the same miracle, but it looked differently. And so, Elisha, Elijah preceded Elisha. Elisha did double than Elijah, even in his death when he died that his bones were raised to life. But the sad thing is that he didn't have a successor. So the miracle stopped right there. Elisha didn't have somebody to carry on that legacy, somebody to carry on that. that how many miracles do you think could have happened in Israel if Elisha would have had... Just think about even like the course of like history now. Like what, how would Israel look now if Elisha had had brought something, somebody along with him and said, like, follow me, and imparted it in him, and d- discipled him, and just shown him the way, and just and did whatever he did. And so, you know, um, it takes work when you, when you do that. We have to prepare, and we have to, to be ready to, to do, get ready for that increase that God wants to do here at Overflow. Um, and I, I feel... Like, God has been preparing me for a while in my life of, of just serving. And God, and God has been, um, God has been so faithful just in, in opening up the doors just through the servanthood. And in junior high, I can remember learning things and just being so willing, being such a sponge for, for the things of God and just asking God, okay, how do you want to, how do you, how do you want to use me? And some of the stuff I, stuff I learned back then, it's still applicable today, and the servanthood of running the snack bar when I'm in sixth grade, and it seems insignificant, but God used that for the next level. I, I helped run sound with my mom and doing lights and when I was in junior high, which that led to something else and something else and something else. And it's, I'm not talking about serving to get you somewhere else, but God will use that. But serving is to, to do whatever 
needs to be done in the kingdom. And that, I think that's kind of what my heart is to find a need and fill it. That's what Tommy Barnett says with the Dream Center. He's like, go out and if you see a need, don't just come to me and, and say, okay, we need to do this. We need to do this as a community. But he's like, this is your opportunity, not, not your obligation. This is your opportunity to go out and know, like, we need a homeless ministry. I have two hands. I'm going to go out and do that homeless ministry. You know, it's, it's one of those things where God will open up these things and God will open up, your, open up opportunities as you're, as you're serving and as you grow along and, and you raise people to take up your place so you can go to a new place. Um, these, uh, the widow's sons, they had to go out. They had to go work it. They had to go, go talk to the people, go knock on some doors and say, hey, I, can, I need some jars. And so it's going to take a little bit of work to do that. And that's also kind of what put Elijah, Elisha on the radar. If you rewind back to 2 Kings 3, um, in verse 11, and actually you can go there. So 2 Kings 3, verse 11. Um, kind of a background of this. Israel's, uh, they're, they're at a, you know, between a rock and a hard place right now. They're fighting two armies. They're, they just ran out of water. They're in the desert. They don't have water for them, the, the cattle, or anything like that. So they're at a point where um, the king of Judah says in, in verse 11, is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Elisha didn't have a fancy ministry yet, he just did a couple miracles right before that, but it wasn't nothing significant to put him on the map. And, but what he did do in serving Elijah brought him to that place where it changed the course of, of Israel in, in that part. And so you may think that you're serving and people aren't noticing, but people notice everything. How many notice everything? Yeah. I know. I see a lot, and I'm like, wow. It's, it's a good and bad thing. <laughs> but... Um, the things that you say, the thing, the way that you interact. I was when I went back to to Tucson. I haven't seen pe- a lot of people and been in ministry there, doing a lot of stuff for a couple of years. But I was at In and Out, and so this little couple came up to me. And they're like, "Aren't you? Aren't you? Didn't you play the organ at church?" And I was like, "Yes, I played the organ at church." <laughs> and so that's what they older people like to call the keyboard. And so. I had no idea that they were even there watching me. And so, you know, I just put out, put out my cigarette and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a, but people are literally watching you wherever you go. And it's amazing that when you're out in the community making an impact, that God, God has a higher standard in your life. There's a higher, higher level of um, responsibility. And so the things that you... Things that you say, places that you go, the things that you post, the just the places and t- the people that you hang out with, it it really makes a difference, and um, people notice that. And the the point is to just to get serve, just to start serving, and um, and let me let me go to the. I'll kind of start closing with this, with this. Um, once Elisha was called on, he called for the musicians to set the atmosphere to to hear from the word of the from to hear from the Lord, and then he instructed the men. And so now, um, now as the musicians played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. That's what it says in, in that in that scripture. And how many know that worship 
is a key, is one of the keys. I, I like talking about keys a lot, I guess. But um, worship is one of the things that, that opens up the door for that prophetic word to be released. And that's why we have amazing worship right here. And so during that time, just embrace it and know that God is going to speak to you through the worship. And God may give you prophetic revelations. He may give you a word of knowledge for somebody and be obedient. Be obedient to what he's telling you during that time. Um, worship is a sound that opens the door for the prophetic revelation to be released. And go to chapter, in chapter 16 of, cha- in verse 16 of chapter 3, it says, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of trenches. For the Lord says, you'll not see wind, you'll not see rain, for the, yet this valley, valley will be full of water. So you will drink both you and your cattle and your animals. Yet this is an easy thing for the Lord in the Lord's eyes, for he will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. God is looking for some ditch diggers to to prepare and get ready for the things that God wants to do here at Overflow. You look at that, and it's going to come suddenly. The It says you're not going to see the rain. You're not going to see the wind. You're not going to... You're not going to feel all this thing like, oh, I feel like the like God's going to do something awesome. And you may feel that, but it's going to come suddenly. This place is going to grow suddenly, and this community is going to change suddenly. And so we need people that to take up their shovel, to roll up their sleeves. And how many know that digging ditches is hard work? <laughs> right? <laughs> Emlyn agrees. And um, I, back home, I used to work with my dad doing landscape, and we would install irrigations because I'm Mexican, <laughs> Nate. Um, and we'd have an electric, electric shovel, which would help us. Because, listen, the dirt there is uh, it's mostly like rock and caliche and just bad stuff that you don't want to get stuck digging. But So these guys were in the middle of the desert. They don't have water. They don't have all these resources. But God says, dig a ditch. And so they do it. And so what does digging a ditch look like for us here at, here at Overflow? Well, it looks like discipleship. It looks like, how many have been saved for more than a week? Okay. All right. So you're already ahead of the person that's going to get saved tomorrow. You're already ahead of the person that's going to get saved this afternoon. So you have something that they need, something that you can impart to them. And I'm not saying that you're, that you're going to know everything, but you're going to grow with them. And because you're discipling that person, it's going to challenge you. It, it's going to challenge you to be that much ahead of them because you know that the somebody is on your tail, that they're going to come, and that's your successor. The, the kids in over and Kid Flow Jr., they are our successors. So we need people that out there to, to speak prophetically into their lives as, as Pastor Jen and or as um, Pastor Shante and Jen and, and the Kim and all those that work in the nursery, that, that, they're, that they're speaking prophetically over these kids because they know that they're the, the next generation. These kids are sponges. They know, they absorb everything. I was listening, somebody was talking yesterday about how um, there was this one girl, I think she was like four or something like that. She knew all the, all the presidents and all their wives. Yeah, Macy, I guess. Brooke is a history buff nerd. <laughs> so, um, but so she, she's a sponge, she knew everything. Like, different random facts and so these kids as they're as they're learning in kid flow and as they're learning in the nursery they are sponges they're they're going to learn they're going to know more than i did when i'm 
when I was 10 years old, when I was five years old. They're going to have words of knowledges that are just going to blow us away because they're so pure and they're so innocent. So we need people there to, to cultivate that in them, to, to, to release that, even when you're at home and with your own kids. And so discipleship is one of the things. We also need small group leaders to, to facilitate this because Pastor Josh and Leslie, they can't do it all. They can't do every, they can't be in every place. They can try. <laughs> but we, we need somebody to, to come alongside them and say, like, I, I want to carry this. I want to hold up your arms and this vision that, you, that God has given to you. We're going to run with it. And a lot, we think that, I'm going back, we're, we think that we need discipleship and small groups here, but it's going to be out there. I, um, I know one of the small group leaders that, she, she had a small group of high school girls, and she, she led them and did all this kind of stuff. And God was moving in that group so much that girls were starting to get filled with the Holy Spirit while they were making salsa. Nice. And so it's like it's in everyday situations. It's not going to be this come to the altar, and we're going to start praying for you to receive the Holy Spirit and all this kind of stuff. It's going to, while they're driving, you know, it, it's going to freak them out cause, because because they don't, they've never experienced it before, but it's going to be so awesome. And that's what, that's what we want to see here at Overflow, that we want to see this thing. And we need people to dig these ditches, to, to welcome them as they get here. To, don't, we play a huge part in, in the kingdom here as serving, as, as servants, that, that God wants to, to um, use you whatever gift you have, that you have something to, to bring to the table, whether it's prayer, prayer and intercession, how many know that we're in a battlefield and we are in a spiritual warfare and we need prayer? We need this place lifted up daily that we can't do it alone. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in the physical, but we need the, the, um, that spiritual, spiritual backing to, to just lift, a, lift it up and take us to that next level. And um, so pr- the people out in the parking lot just welcoming people, being that friendly face of, you know, <clears throat> that mom trying to carry the carrying 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 the carrying the I want to say the stroller but the car seat carrying this the car seat with the other kids and you know we're going to start seeing that and just making sure the kids don't get run over in the parking lot but there's so it's so exciting to see what God is doing here at, at Overflow and if we want to be a community that's changing if we want to be a community here that's changing the community. We need a com- to have a community of ditch diggers, and so you need to be willing to get to get dirty and to just to have fun. And you know, there's going to be ter- certain times as as they were digging those ditches for to get that valley full. It was a lot of work, right? Right at one time, it's a concentrated effort. But then, as it as it grows, that that effort, that concentration will will kind of spread throughout, and it's going to be awesome. And so. I just really want to challenge you, challenge you that, with that this morning to, to be people, to go out there and to find those people that are hurting and are broken, to, to bring them in, to, to disciple them out there, to have them walk alongside of you through life and to, to be ready to go in those trenches and start digging and start, start um, seeing a need and feeling it.